This Family Life News Podcast is made possible by the support of listeners like you. If you've been pursuing Christ for any length of time, you know that Jesus does not say, if you follow me, you'll get everything you want. But have we asked ourselves whether not getting what we want is good, whether it's actually a gift from God? Well, that's our topic today on Family Life's Inside Out, where we look at how God transforms his people from the inside out. My guest is the Reverend Dr. A.J. Swoboda. He's Associate Professor of Biblical Studies and World Christianity at Eugene, Oregon's Bushnell University and leads a Doctor of Ministry program at Friends University. His new book, The Gift of Thorns, comes out next week. The book's subtitle is Jesus, the Flesh, and the War for Our Wants. Welcome back, Dr. Swoboda, to Inside Out. It's great to be back. Oh, thank you. You know, AJ, as Christians, we teach that God is good. Every Sunday, we always hear, you know, that God is love, God is for us. So when we want something that seems good to us, but the way ahead is blocked, or when horrific things happen to people who love Jesus, certainly not things they wanted, our picture of God being for us gets tarnished. So, AJ, does God define the good he has for us differently than, than we define good? And why is it that what we desire and what really happens are often so different? Mm. Wow, two excellent questions that both should take their own podcast episodes <laughs> or episodes to talk about. Yes, I think my general response uh, that I would begin with is, is twofold. Number one, the, the whole premise of this book, and the, the big idea is that most of us don't know what we want, and there's a reason why, and that is that we have struggled to allow Jesus and the healing hand of the Holy Spirit to actually enter into our wants and our desires. Many of us experience desires we don't want. We experience unwanted desires. We experience evil desires. We experience things that we just know are not of the way of Jesus. And so we do behavior really well, but we never mm. get into the desire part in we need to move beyond behaviorism to full life transformation. And that is part of the journey of the book, is inviting us to see the work of Jesus in our desires. I think the second thing I would respond to, yeah, so your, your question about, is God's understanding of good different yeah. than our understanding of good? I think uh, had I been asked that question before having a child, I probably would have had a very different answer. <laughs> and the, the reason I say that is that as a father, I've learned that my son often asks for things that he doesn't realize in the end are not good for him. And they, they feel right and good at the moment. They, they seem to be things that would be fine to have, but just by virtue of my own experience in the world as a 42-year-old, those things can often lead to not good stuff. And so for him, not getting what he wants is actually the greatest good. And I can, I can only imagine that the same truth is all the more true about God, mm. and that God knows what is good for us when we don't. And so, in, in a way, our understanding of desire has to be structured around that, to ultimately assume God's desires for us are the best desires, and, and believing that is our first step in being followers of Christ. That can be so hard. If this isn't getting too personal, I mean, infertility, it's, it's like, why would that ever not be what God would want for you, to, to be mm-hmm. able to conceive more children? Yeah. yeah. I'm reading through Genesis at, at the moment in my, in my morning 
daily office time where I, I, I read scripture. I'm reading through Genesis. It, it struck me yesterday, Martha, it's providential that you asked that question. It struck me yesterday how every patriarch in the book of Genesis can't have kids. <sighs> over and over and over and over again. And you, you can't help but begin to wonder that, that God has something to teach somebody who can't get what they want. One of our problems, Martha, as an American culture, is that we have created a, a fabulous environment where you can get whatever you want whenever you want it. Uh-huh. And essentially, we have lost the virtue of waiting. We don't know what waiting entails anymore. We, sure. It's not a part of our vernacular, our culture. Just waiting around is, we, we call it, in our culture, we call it loitering. Mm-hmm. Or wasted um, time. Yeah, right. Yeah. Or wasted time, right. And, and ultimately, isn't the process of waiting when God is preparing us to receive the gifts we're waiting for? Mm-hmm. And then if we don't know how to wait, we will wrongly receive the gift? Mm. Y- y- yes. Something like infertility, which my wife and I have walked through for a decade, it's hell on earth. It's the, it's the most excruciating experience ever. Mm-hmm. And yet I will tell you, Martha, it has made me who I am as a man. Mm. And it has formed me and my wife into extraordinarily patient people mm. who have a big picture. Mm-hmm. So to kind of turn the conversation just a little bit, it seems that at least some of the people we love who are pulling away from the Christian faith are people who threw their lot in with God and now feel let down, like they thought that God made a bargain and he hasn't kept up his part of that bargain. So mm. is this kind of thinking that God makes a bargain with us, that he has an obligation to us, is it rooted in something that the church has taught or failed to teach mm. about living as disciples of Jesus? Do you see a corrective on the horizon? Do you see us going in a, oh, a good goodness. direction in that way? Yeah, we have to distinguish, and in, in this, is, this is critical for somebody who has is, who is experienced what you're talking about. So let, let's name some, somebody. Somebody who's walked through a divorce and they, they, they're like, where were you, God? Uh-huh. They lost a child. Uh, they lost a job. They, they didn't experience the healing that they thought would happen. These, these sorts of things. Right. We have, to, we have to be very careful to distinguish between did God let me down or did my expectations of God let me down? Uh-huh. A, a way to think about this, there's a worship song that we often sing. It's a beautiful worship song. I love it. But there's a line in it that really trips me up. The line says something like this. He'll never let us down. He'll never let us down. Huh. And, and the line is that, that God will never, he'll never fail us. Will God ever fail us? No, he'll never fail us. But, but the problem is that many people, when they sing that song, in their mind, that right. means I'm going to get everything that I ask for. Right. That God would never let me down the way Santa never lets me down. Yeah, And w- what we're doing is creating false expectations. Mm-hmm. In the temporal, God will let us down. Mm-hmm. We will not get everything we want. And thank God, C.S. Lewis says, that we don't get everything we prayed for. God will, but he will not in the long term let us down. Because God sometimes in the short term lets us down in the long term so that he can do what he most wants to do. So we've got to be cautious to not assume that God and our expectations about God are the same same exact thing. Mm-hmm. And has the church, the evangelical church, encouraged this in some way, from a lack of teaching or from a specific teaching? Uh, oh, 
it is uh, it is all over the place. When you put your glasses on and recognize these little false prosperity gospels that we plant all over the place, mm-hmm. it blows your mind. Mm-hmm. When I was a teenager and the, the purity movement was all the rage and people reading books about how if you don't have sex before marriage, God will give you a perfect, awesome marriage. Mm-hmm. Let, let's name that for what that is. Caitlin Beatty calls it the sexual prosperity gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, is, that is a form of false expectation and promise that we all realized two weeks after we got married was an absolute lie. Mm-hmm. Marriage is hard no matter who you are. We do that all the time in a variety of ways. If I follow Jesus, I'll no longer struggle with X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. If I follow Jesus, my finances will be great. If I follow Jesus, da, 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 da. And these are all just little insipid prosperity gospels that we plant into our hearts and minds all the time. And it just trips us up. It creates so much pain for us because mm-hmm. we end up following our expectations more than we actually follow God. And do you see a large part of the church aware and making adjustments to yes. this mistake? The okay, good. That, the, the fact that you and I are talking about it is a sign that good things are happening. And, and I, I think a lot of Christians have woken up to that and are just more skeptical to believe those sorts of formulas. Mm. Yeah, and by the way, when we say the church, we're not talking about, like, we're not, we're not talking about, we're not poking our fingers at, pointing our fingers at, like, pastors or, no. or, or, or a person. Just in general, in Christian culture, the human heart would rather have formulas than the gospel. Mm. Because a formula is controllable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a formula... A formula puts me at the center. The gospel displaces me and puts Christ at the center. Ooh. And I think yeah. we, more often than not, would rather have something we can control rather than something that controls us. Uh-huh. Listen, we are all prone to formulas. I have them, you have them. Paul calls them the hollow philosophy of the world. Uh-huh. We've got to name them and deconstruct them in order to follow Jesus freely. Mm-hmm. Give me just a moment to reset for those just joining us. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Inside Out on Family Life. I'm talking today with Bushnell University's Reverend Dr. A.J. Swoboda. His new book is The Gift of Thorns. A.J., in The Gift of Thorns, you say that we live in a world of thorns. Our lives are challenging and often play out contrary to the way we want them to. Well, it happens that today is both Valentine's Day and Ash Wednesday. So we're already thinking on the themes of love, desire, repentance, sacrifice, and eventual resurrection. Would you talk about how not getting everything we desire is actually a gift? Yeah. In the in the creation story, uh, the man and the woman eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the one tree God said not to eat from. And immediately upon their decision to do so, they clothe themselves with fig leaves, uh, which leads the reader to at least wonder, did they just eat from a fig tree? And I, by the way, I believe that the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil was a fig tree because they are clothing Jesus? themselves with... I'm sorry, I'm having an opinion. I was just going to say, <laughs> it, I mean, if we're, if we're getting into Lent here... You, you can't help but see the connection of Jesus cursing a fig tree on the way to Jerusalem. Yeah. It's almost as though he's, he's cursing the thing that led to the curse. Hmm. Um, so, in, in a sense, they, they eat, and then, and then what does God do? He comes to the man, and he says to the man, you will work the ground, and you will toil, you will sweat from your brow, and it will produce thorns mm-hmm. for you. 
every time I've read that, and I, it, I, I actually really doubt the original author meant this. I'm, I'm not trying to project some fanciful interpretation as, as though it, it's necessarily naturally in the text. Mm-hmm. But all, it's always struck me that it says that the thorns are for you. With the emphasis on um, for. Yeah. It's almost as though God is saying, like, these thorns, they're, they're actually for you. And we see the thorns as, as this horrible thing. Mm-hmm. Because what do the thorns represent? They, world, they represent a world where the land does not give us what we want. Our jobs don't give us what we want. Mm-hmm. Our relationships don't give us what we want. It's not the world of, of freedom. It's the world of enslavement. Mm-hmm. And I've always read that and thought, like, the thorns are for me. And, and I guess when, when that hit me, when I began to think about that, it dawned on me. I have grown the most in my spiritual journey with Jesus in places where I have not gotten everything I want. Mm-hmm. And, and what I'm trying to say is I don't grow in the great times. I grow in the times when I'm mad that I didn't get what I want God to do. Mm-hmm. Frankly, I, I can't help but think it's connected. Mm-hmm. The, the one thing Jesus is, is wearing on the cross is what? A crown of thorns. thorns. Mm-hmm. And, th- and that there's this just little hint in Genesis 3 that, that the land, it will produce thorns. Mm-hmm. But don't forget those thorns. They will be for you. Mm-hmm. And the ultimate picture of the thorns is it is for us. As the one who wears them is our life. Mm-hmm. And, our, and our sacrifice. And of course, Jesus lived a life of willingly giving up everything he wanted. In fact, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he pleads with the Father uh, to not die on the cross. Mm-hmm. And yet he submits himself to what the Father wants over what his flesh and emotions wanted. Mm-hmm. And so I think life, life is in those places in our life. I think the, th- the thorns are gifts. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're a problem. I think they're gifts. And so that would be your encouragement to those listening who feel like things that ought to be okay with God for them to have or be, and it's not happening. They're pains. You're saying that these thorns are a gift, and we may not see the packaging, or we may not see it as a gift right now, but that they actually yeah. are. Well, <laughs> I'll put it this way. At least in our world, unless you embrace the thorn, you won't ever receive the, the rose. And, and that with every thorn, there is a rose. Mm. We tend to focus on the thorn, and we forget the rose. Wow. With that in mind, thank you. Thank you so much, AJ, for, for writing this book and for joining me here today on Inside Out. Yeah. Martha, thanks for the work you do, and thanks for giving me the chance to be with you. Mm. My guest has been the Reverend Dr. AJ Swoboda. You can learn about Dr. Swoboda by going to AJ Swoboda Writes. That's AJ, S-W-O-B-O-D-A, and then the word writes. W-R-I-T-E-S, all that together, dot com, ajswobodawrites.com. I'm Martha Manikas Foster with Inside Out on Family Life. Thank you for listening to this Family Life News Podcast. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard, please share it with others and click the subscribe button to automatically receive future episodes. Family Life is a listener-supported ministry. Podcasts like this are made possible by your financial partnership. Find out more at familylife.org.